Dad Pod. Welcome this is a video thing as well. Have a name. Podcast. Or midlife crisis. Howdy, daddy. Mm. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Dadcast. That's not bad, actually. Yeah. Dadcast: Misadventures in Parenting, brought to you by Cadbury Freddo Treasures. Discover the new Freddo Treasure Space Series with Cadbury Dairy Milk Buttons, one surprise toy in every chest. And we're live. You're very welcome along to this week's edition of Dadcast. Some of the dads are here. Adrian's here. Hello there. Dave is here. Hi guys. How are we? We're very good, Dave. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're on the moon <laughs> again this week. <laughs> I'm in my kitchen trying to get through week one. For me, week one, I appreciate for many people it's week 28 of trying to work while minding two boys. And uh, it's not much fun, it turns out, at all. Just to explain, obviously, when sport went away, your job as a sports commentator and you had no, you had no work. Uh, no, absolutely nothing. I, I am finally back with a microphone um, tomorrow night. Um, Virgin Media of the Europa League and then Champions League pretty much every night. So it's going to be games coming thick and fast. Can't wait. But obviously there's the prep to be done. And with no school and no childminder, I am trying to get several hours of prep done a day with um, trying to keep the lads occupied. Now, camp started yesterday. So um, GA camp started for the older guy. So from half nine to uh, from nine to half one, he's taken care of. But um, the last couple of hours now, what, is about quarter past four now, I've been trying to get some stuff done. It's not that easy. You think you can just turn on a TV or organize a game or some description and you might be able to get a couple of hours. But within that couple of hours, there are requests for snacks and smoothies and windows <laughs> to be opened and flies to be allowed, evicted from rooms and blankets to be brought in. And So, yeah, you really don't get more than about three and a half minutes of a consecutive time. To get work done, but it's so it's a new dawn for me. But I know you guys have probably been going through this for months. Um, I was laughing there because there is, I'm not sure there's anything on this planet at the minute that gives me more comfort than hearing another parent echo the fucking sentiments of craziness. <laughs> I genuinely, because at times I'm like. We are the shittest parents in Shitsville, and um, what are we doing? This, we are ruining these people's lives. Uh, and then you hear other parents sort of uh, just talk about the same stuff, and you think, okay, maybe it's not so bad. Yeah, I don't think we can be too hard on ourselves. And I do, when I hear other parents saying, oh, sure, look, they spent way too much time on screens, but like, what can we do? We have to work. I do feel a bit better about it. Um, we have tried to get back to our old rules of no screens before six o'clock, but that's all already been broken today. I can't even I can't even record the podcast without having to say hello to people who are smaller than me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just chat amongst yourselves for about ten seconds, and I'm going to. And what has you uh, feeling like you're a particularly bad parent at the moment, uh, Adrian, that you're like seeking comfort for? <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> coming off a three-day run of a long bank holiday weekend, obviously. Um, <laughs> it brings it into sharp focus, doesn't it? Like a normal weekend, you can just about get by on the uh, lie that you're actually not a bad parent because you, you know, there's not very much of it involved. But yeah, three days. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? Like it's... it's um, 
not even like necessarily COVID related, but certainly like Dave was talking about, like the constant requests. And like I've said before that um, one of our kids at the minute is just in this um, shouting and screaming for everything. So, and, and not even like, not even like rage, like just, I'd like a slice of bread. I want a slice of bread! I want bread! It's just like this constant shouting thing. And uh, to the point now where he'll go, he'll go, um, He'll he'll ask for something and I'll go. Listen, will you stop, stop, what are you, stop shouting? And he'll start laughing back at me as if it was all a big joke. And the first couple of times, I like an absolute idiot laughed back at him, sort of like, oh, yeah, this is this is a great joke. And then I sort of, you know, then realised that actually he's taking the piss out of me. Um, so. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think of that. I just thought he's getting a laugh at you. So therefore, yeah. but actually, he's he's in on the joke and he's he's a, oh no, he's a step or two ahead. He's taken the absolute piss out of me. So yeah, I just think it's the bank holiday weekend, and uh, it all—you know—it also just struck me before we came on the call that um, I don't know if the shitting conversation last week was prescient, but it seems to have been because um, he's—I don't know that he over here or whatever—but he's dialed up the shitting uh, outdoors now <laughs> in a way that's close to unmanageable. <laughs> like he's waiting. He's waiting to. He's like a dog. Literally like a dog. He's brilliant. As, soon, as soon as the doors open, he's gone, and then he probably Constantly he probably brilliant. feels like he could have got it done beforehand, but just to make your yeah, life gonna keep that one. Yeah, can I hold that I one like, in the can? I haven't really got into the. I don't want to walk the line of, um, like impressing forcibly upon him that he needs to hang on to the shit. So I don't really want to go down that road of. Ah, oh, listen, could you? Would you just ha- like? Will you just hang on to it? Please hang on to it. I don't really want to get into that, even though internally every single fibre of my being is screaming, please hang on to it. Oh, yeah, I think you're allowed, aren't you? Because it's not like it's damaging to hold in to turtle head for a little while is okay. It's a it's a useful experience to, yeah. to learn in life, isn't it? But they're can, not can like they... adults, though. Not, no. not like, when children verbalise the need to go, they're usually at the end game. Yeah, close to it. Yeah, and we were running. We were running around a shopping. In this particular instance, we were running around a shop, a large shopping complex. Um, on the way to what, I, what where the toilet normally is, but of course in COVID, then they've managed to shut the fucking doors on the place for some reason. <laughs> the toilet open, and so that was like you know you know yourself when you want to go to the toilet, you convince yourself your mind's doing like absolute somersaults of mentally convincing yourself because physically you can hang on to it it's just the mental game uh, so you need to get to the toilet and so I was trying to walk him through all these distraction tactics while we got to the toilet where we all assumed the toilet was until we got there and of course the thing was shut uh, it didn't really allow any time and you can see where I'm going with this it didn't really allow any time to find out where the temporary toilets were only that it all it only allowed time for uh, an area that I knew was outdoors and there wasn't there wasn't going to be too many people around and uh, and off we trotted, literally. See, you made it somewhere outdoors. I was going to say this is the first time you've had an indoor. <laughs> no, no. Last week, at least, it was the side of the road, uh, and uh, so this yeah. you, you made it outdoors. Well, that's that's pretty impressive parenting. I think you should be giving yourself a good <laughs> nine out of ten for rescuing a very bad situation and making it, you know, somewhat acceptable. Uh, what was, was what was the killer line there? Apologies, I was um, distracted again. So the jacks was, were shut. The, yeah, the, temporary, we, were, we were, realized you didn't have time to find the temporary toilet. So, so jacks happened? were shut. Temporary toilet didn't have time to find it. Even though it turns out we had literally, of course we weren't looking for it, but we had literally walked past it. 
three minutes earlier. Uh, we had to go outside that. Oh. We had to take a shit outside. <laughs> outside? Is this Dundrum? No. <laughs> Another <laughs> outside shopping complex. Which, which, I'm, which I'm okay to talk about um, because <laughs> we went back and cleaned it up afterwards. Uh, oh, I mean, so great. We left it for, we did leave it for an hour just to allow a little bit of crusting to set in. <laughs> <laughs> it does help, lads. I mean, I know you're laughing at me, but and I know all your kids are older than mine, so you've probably got, you won't have to experience this. But for anybody who's listening with young kids, embrace taking a shit outside your kids. Embrace taking a shit outside. And if you can, if there's a way to let it crust for a while, it just makes the whole process way easier. Get your plastic bag, put the tissues on the inside. So you don't have to make any actual like texture context. Uh, contact. So it doesn't, it doesn't, the water, you know, the way plastic bags are supposed to be water, they're not waterproof. We all know water seeps through. So you get a they're handful drinking. of the watery shit yeah. coming through, but the, the tissues is actually the trick. That sounds great. Tissue is the trick. And, and also try not to do it in, I mean, you can't, you won't have any, just forewarned if the weather is hot as it was on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it was. Flies, the flies will be attracted to the shit by the time you get back to it. Um, so See, that's the thing. The flies, the, uh, that's why I think you have to clean it up there. And, and because the flies, as we all know, are, are agents of disease. They're landing on that. They're going at the shop. They're landing on the buns. They're landing on the bread, the bakery. And all of a sudden, you know, that's how outbreak starts. The other, um, outside of trying to avoid an outbreak, the only other helpful hint I can give, if you're caught, as I was, assuming we were going to a toilet with all the facilities you expect uh, at a toilet, including toilet paper, uh, and then suddenly realising that you don't have any of that type of luxury at hand, and short of obviously having to pull up his pants without any action on that front, try and get yourself as close as you can to a good leafy tree. Did you have to use tree, a tree leaf? Tree leaves, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, this is... He, uh... didn't, he didn't care. He literally didn't give a shit. <laughs> we, well, he did. Do we need to officially assign a portion of every podcast to this subject matter? Because it does seem that increasingly we were, be we're beginning every episode with the latest updates on whose kid is dumped where. It's spiraling out of control. I'm hoping that... Um, I don't know where the end of how this all ends, but I'm hoping that, like, I'm as keen as anybody that I don't have to update this thing, is what I'm saying. Uh, well, I keep the updates coming while they're relevant. Um, and if anybody else out there has anything that they want to get off their chest, dadcast at offtheball.com is the email address. Uh, an email from Barry this week. Um, I should have checked that one there. Oh, yeah, I can do this from Barry. Uh, hi, lads. <laughs> nearly, nearly get full, full, full name. It's from Barry. Uh, I was really loving the podcast, especially since COVID lockdown. Just on this week's episode and the SNP conversation, <laughs> I just wanted to contact you and recommend Treaty Medical in Limerick. I'm 42 and my wife was 41. So after our second kid, I booked in straight away for the procedure. Best 500 quid I've ever spent. Procedure itself lasted less, lasted less than 15 minutes. I compare it. I compare it to going to the dentist for a filling. The initial anesthetic injection was the only sore bit. Recovery was within days, no great pain, just a little bit of uncomfortable feeling. The only negative is the VHI don't pay for it. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Thanks, Barry. Well, this is our first endorsements we've had from uh, uh, a listener. 
he's emailing us. Treaty Limerick and Medical have done it for 500 quid. Maybe they'll give us a, a group on um, <laughs> a batch discounts. <laughs> the only thing that's sticking out for me from that contact is the anesthetic. Where is that going in? Your Mickey, Adrian. That's where it's going. It's going is it in. going? No, no, it's not. Surely not. Into your groin somewhere, I'm assuming. What? It's like, it's a local anesthetic. It's not like a no. two towns over. Oh, surely. You don't, you don't napalm the neighboring village if you want to get the village. Well, then technically into your ball sack, is it? Uh, I don't know which bit the, is the thing. Is it not at the bottom? Oh, I think I'll have to Google this one. <laughs> On the work computer there, Adrian. <laughs> you definitely... That email and the subsequent conversation between you two has definitely set me back mentally. <laughs> um, maybe months. Really? He just said oh. it's grand. It's like a, a filling. <laughs> if, if this anesthetic is as local as once. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. Anyway. Well, what if you have another kid in the meantime, Dave? It's highly unlikely. Well, look, I don't know. Just to um, to bring the tone down again. So I was um, I was reading the uh, the mail the other day, which I uh, the their female section, which I, I think I sent a picture around into the WhatsApp group. It was about um, I can't even remember what the it was about uh, parenting to teenagers. Somebody's written a book about this, and look, I, I kind of have a strict rule not to read this stuff because it's generally trying to scare people into you know buy my book is essentially the the general tone of this stuff or uh, you're all going to die so you may as well consume 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 but um it oh it was about uh, marriages breaking up after uh, your kids become teenagers <laughs> it did the job i was certainly scared after it it did make being the parent of a teenager sound like uh this is as good as it gets this is your happy time the bit where you know you can wipe your kids arse with leaves and they're like happy enough to do it is going to be considered the best time of your life because when they become teenagers, it seems as if life just gets absolutely miserable. That's frightening. Yes. Although I did understand, I did understand that, you know, you get this honeymoon period where the kids are, you know, at, at this unbelievable age where you can talk to them and play with them and you can still hug them and they'll still hold your hand and they'll still tell you that they love you. And there's an awful lot of great things going on. And that only lasts a certain period of time. I understand that I am needing to prepare myself for the teenage years. But it can't, if it's, if it's that grim, that's a, just a frightening prospect. Is it all uh, bad? Being a father or mother of a teenager, is it all bad? Are there any positives? Yeah, there were, there were some. Financial and emotional drain on you. Yeah, they're financial... getting closer to being like 18 or 19 or 20 where they can ship off. Well, I mean, if you live in Dublin, there's no chance of them ever shipping That's off because they won't be able to. Um, unless everybody works from home and suddenly we all move to the countryside and uh, life is much better, which you would hope might happen. But like, you know, uh, essentially that's a miracle. Um, there was like, yeah, it's, it's somewhere, so much more expensive because they all need to get like, you can't get away with buying them any any else cheap crap at various stages during the year. They understand that this is like the lesser, cheaper version, the knockoff um, without the brand on it that none of their mates have because they all have the actual proper stuff. Uh, it was like you you absolutely, you can forget about scheduling any of the good stuff because they'll be listening. They'll be up all the time. There's no bedtime. You actually have no no time when it's like, 
okay, grand, the house is quiet now for an hour before bedtime. Like that's gone forever. They're in the room next door and they're probably listening. So like, you know, I mean, maybe you can just go ahead and, and like scar them for life. Just maybe, crack, maybe that's the right thing. Like if it's their choice to tune in. I mean, I would, my own, my own, from one's own experience, if you, uh, if one was to ever like, Catch a sound or a sight of it like that, you'd have either been gone for uh, another postcode. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe that they didn't actually think about that. That's the other way around. It's like, go ahead, fire away. Yeah. My fears are those nights where you know they're out and they should be home and they're not. And you can't sleep a wink for worrying. Uh, but they're safe return and you probably have a meeting the next day or in my case maybe a game and you can't get a wink of sleep and they maybe fall in the door at four or five in the morning as we all did waking our parents up and then you have to get you're expected to get up and get on with your day the following day and they can lie on till four or five in the afternoon <laughs> and if you quiz them on it <laughs> you just get abused <laughs> like what sort of an existence is that why are, we, I wish I hadn't brought this up because we're worried, <laughs> worrying about something now that's years away. It will have plenty I know, I know, I know. But I, I think it, it maybe, maybe it ties in with um, with uh, your idea of like getting down on the floor and playing with them now and trying to make friends with them now because like you you will need this in your memory bank. This mm. is going to be the thing that uh, sustains you on those dark nights. Like, oh, actually, I do remember that time that we, we played that one time. But the other thing is that... Um, like, I think the teenage years seem to start quite early. Like, certainly, I would say, if um, some of the stuff that's going on at the moment is anything to go by, we're in for it. We are in for it. Mm. Our, um, there's a lot of slamming of doors and storming off and uh, uh, toast to I'm like, all right, this is what it's like at eight. What's it going to be like at 15, 14? Yeah. Because at least the only comfort you get from that sort of stuff is like that, exactly that point that like, it's only a few years, right? And that, that, you know, the best advice that I ever got was everything passes, right? So yeah, a few years, like, so the unreasonableness has to stop at some point. But Jesus, if it's starting at eight, like you could be looking at 10 or 12 years of it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they might not move out till they're 23. Like, what do you mean 23 and the rest? I know. By the time they reach twenty three, I'm saying, right, I'm 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 renting your room to a boarder. <laughs> I'm giving it to charity. Off you go. Let's let's uh, not worry about things that are years down the line. If any of our listeners who are parents to teenagers want to get in touch and maybe give us a open the window into hell, we're we'll be willing to read them. But I would like to hear some. Stories from teenager uh, parents of teenagers. Uh, Dadcast that off the ball Dave, you put out a question last week. You wanted to know. I might have. I might have done it an injustice on the tweet, unintentionally if it was. Um, but you wanted to know how how you can convince both your lads to be fully active participants in sport. Is that a fair summation? Um, it's not convincing. Is too strong a word because that means you're trying to do something against their will, which oh. will never be the case. <clears throat> but. And they're only three and five, very soon to be six. But obviously, as I said last week, I've been obsessed with sport, whether playing it 
reading about it, watching it, listening to it, working in it since I was about five years old. And I, if, if there is a chance that they will, well, there's a very good chance, given my level of, of obsession and fanaticism, that they will not come close to those same levels. Every dad, kind of whether they're a father to a boy or a girl, wants to be able to sit down and watch a match with them. That, at the moment in my house, seems years away, if, if at all, that it might happen at all. But just, I guess I'm just looking for maybe your, your experience, Chair. I know Nathan's not on the line today, but he's a few years down the line as well, where they just, it develops naturally. Or is sport as an entity as prevalent in young children's lives as it was when we really had nothing else to do? Because there was no, that, there was no mobile phones yeah. and there was hardly any sport on the TV. Um, and so we just went out and we just played. And that was the end of it, where it's a very different world now. And instead of going out to the green and playing football or sitting down and watching a big game of football, because the games aren't as big anymore because there's 25 games every weekend, that they do something else, like play a computer game or watch YouTube or uh, play make-believe out with their mates. Um, I can't remember what... Oh, it was Mo Farah was on with Joe Wicks. And um, I don't know how it, how it came on, but it ended up coming on. And they were like, oh, what's this? Who's this? What's going on? And they, they ran a lap. And I was like, oh, this guy's a runner. And then we watched um, London 2012, 10,000 metres. It was the 5,000 metres. And then we watched Usain Bolt in the 100 metres. So, and then, then just recently, we watched uh, Katie Taylor's last fight against Delphine Pursuant. So we watched that one the next time. I think it like, I think you kind of need to playlist it a little bit and go, this is interesting. This character is interesting. Watch what's going to happen here. Keep an eye on this. Like, because as you say, it's on all the time. Like, um, sometimes uh, OTV Sports Radio will be on in the background and um, my middle one will go, oh, this is so boring. Oh, this is boring. What are you talking about? That boring stuff again. Thursdays AM again. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I, it might have been Fridays. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to insist that she sits down and listens to like a 35-minute interview where we talk about the uh, the fixtures and the structures of GA. But I think, um, like, they, so they really like boxing and will happily sit and watch any boxing. Um, but they also like cookery shows. So, you know, I'm going to actively encourage watching cookery shows because it means that we get to do this together and then slip in some 100 meters, maybe try and get some... I actually don't know. I don't know what that playlist is going to be. You've got an idea. Uh, I'm just thinking tonight I'm going to sit down and I'm going to put um, YouTube on the big TV and we'll watch maybe Usain Bolt's Olympic finals and you can see the fastest man in the history of time try to break his own world record and just see what the reaction is to that. Because there's few more spectacular sights than the Olympic 100 metres men's final. Maybe that might work. Well, it's a start. And I, here's the thing, I think you kind of need to do a little bit of it semi-regularly so that they kind of build up some sense of um, this not just being a one-off. Um, now, yeah. I was in the habit of doing it for a week or so, and then they went away for a while, and we haven't got back into the habit of doing it just yet. But, um, like, I don't know. I Like, the when lockdown was at its kind of peak 2K, we were going up every night at around five for an hour and playing a bit of sports. And that certainly kicked on the level of interests. Yeah. Um, well, that, I mean, that's I, the most important aspect of it, the fact that they're outside doing something. 
And the older guy started GA camp this, this week. He's two days into it and he seems to be loving it, which is great because I was a little um, I was a little nervous for him. That's another thing we can finish, we can talk about before we finish, projecting your own anxieties onto your children and actually causing nerves where, where before there may not have been any. I think I was guilty of that Sunday night. But what else would we be thinking of in terms of getting, say, the five-year-old to eight-year-old kids to go, oh, actually, can I have you another video of? Because, you know, the, if it's something to do with nature, they we I'd often hear, have you any more videos about megalodons or have you any more videos about gorillas or anacondas? And I'd go trawling through YouTube to find this na um, nature expert telling us all about, you know, the anaconda. And it's fascinating stuff. So I w I'd love to be asked, can you show me another 100 meters? Get, get Diego Costa's highlights reel, Dave, and <laughs> take that on. That's as yeah. close they're going to get. <laughs> or like I was thinking, you know, maybe the YouTube video of Maradona's greatest tricks, but I think football is it's just, it's just too boring for them at the moment. But other other little bite-sized chunks, I'll have a long think of that. Eh? If you think of anything else, I don't know. know. The the um, the five thousand meters was lot, was like it's good twelve minutes, it's good 10, 12 minutes, and um, and that was like surprisingly everybody stayed and watched it. it they, sorry, Deb, I was just saying there. You uh, the. <clears throat> The London 2012 5000 was like it's a good 10 12 minutes that they actually sit and watch, and um, that's the limit, I think. The absolute limit of uh, for non cartoons, which they could mm -hmm. watch for six hours if you let them chewing in their own filth. You're on mute there, Dave. In this YouTube beer, I would have thought a 5000 meter final was actually way too boring for anyone. It's the outer, it's the outer limit of it. Well, there's just enough happening, so he goes to the back of the field. It's like, oh, this guy is really fast. Keep an eye on him. Okay, so you, lose. you've set the scene. You've said, this guy's Mo Farah. He's going to win. Look where he is. Okay. Well, Keep I didn't say he's going to win. Keep an eye okay. on him. I didn't, I didn't reveal that he was going to win. But they, like, and they knew him from being in the Joe Wicks video. So there was at least okay. a follow-on to that. Um, like, I don't know. I'd love to get them into watching a bit more soccer. But, like, um, who who has 90 minutes to sit down and watch mm. a soccer match? Oh, look, Nobody. Would you would you become a soccer fan now if you were starting thirty years later? I'm not sure I would. And you're influenced soccer, by your friends as well, aren't you? You are, and so that's an add, add an extension to it. If I was eight years old now, six years old now, I'm not sure I would be the football fan that I was at the age of eight, and then went on to become, because it's quite long and it's quite boring, and a lot of it is substandard. And I'm saying this as someone who absolutely adores the game and would love everyone in my life mm. and the circles to sit down and do all day. We could but do with an Ireland tournament. I think that would help. Mm. Yeah. It's the point about the numerous games and interesting what I remember as a kid, like, and it's the difference, obviously, between like being uh, playing yourself or being involved. I was definitely that kid when I was younger, like get up in the morning in the summertime and go out all day until you had to be called back in again at 2am or whatever the exaggeration, however the exaggeration goes. Um, and then the watching of it was such an event for us. Like we didn't have BBC and the neighbours across the road did and we'd be over every Saturday afternoon for the three o'clock game on BBC and there'd be apple tart and whatever else. And it was such an event. And that was what I think it was the uniqueness of it and the build up to it. And I'm sure I was looking forward to the apple tart as much as I was looking forward to the football. But, um, I couldn't wait for it every week. And I'm sure that was 
like I don't know if that's um that's definitely a unique experience that can't be replicated now just because it's so uh, um prevalent um everywhere but um yeah I don't know but it was it, you're definitely mates and stuff like it was a huge part of it sticker books jerseys like yeah. the culture of everybody obsessed about it in a way that uh yeah I don't know if it's dinosaurs now whatever yeah, I think the point you made earlier about there being nothing else at that stage, like there wasn't in a way that there is now. I, I do feel, though, that for those people who get into it, there is much more access to much more stuff. So you could become legitimately a fan of Italian football and watch every single match in uh, Serie A next season as an AC Milan fan if you wanted to, in a way that like we had to wait for that one hour on a Monday night. And that was like, I didn't, I didn't have BBC or Channel 4 either. So, um, all that helped. And I think the fact that there were such big games, like I, I distinctly remember around 85, that 85 cup final, like that being a big deal. And then yeah. that October, November, we were in Belfast when uh, Northern Ireland qualified for the World Cup and Pat Jennings got his 100th cap and it was the same team who had um, reached the quarterfinals in 82. And so like these were big, this is like a communal thing that you watch with your family and it's important. Whereas now, it's literally on all the time from all the world. So um, I can see people getting very, very deep into it and completely lost into it in a way that um, it was much more hard for us to do at that stage. You also need to be careful what you wish for as well because the last thing you want is for them to be so obsessed and all they want to do is sit inside watching football as opposed to being outside running around and kicking a football. I remember leaving the green in my area on the night that Germany played Bolivia, which was the opening game of USA 94. And there was kids everywhere. It was the middle of the summer. It was just three or four football matches, which I loved. All I wanted to do was play football. But I left and went inside on this beautiful summer's evening to go in and watch that game. And I remember my mates looking at me going, what are you doing? Like, who yeah. does that? We're outside playing football here. I was the nerd that was going in to watch the opening match of the World Cup. So you don't want them getting overly obsessed either. It's a balance, but... Uh, it worked out okay for you. Reader, he married football. Um, <laughs> we, we did get some responses to these tweets. Uh, Fran says, re-wanting your kids to love sport. We've got three boys, two are football mad, but our youngest is not bothered at all, which means he's left out of the first of five games in our backyard, etc. Recently, a football roll passed him in a way that was ripe for a half volley or the like. He totally ignored it. And inside, a little piece of me died. I think if contact sports are not your kid's bag, then you must find something that does have a team or competition element to it as they get older. It's really important for kids' development, I feel. Love the pod. Keep it going, lads. Regards, Fran. Um, I, I think kids are naturally competitive anyway. I, I'm I'm happy enough with the old uh, no medals or everybody getting a medal because you can see them just competing nonstop in every little facet of their lives. And uh, like they're going to learn to lose because... Life is one long series of defeats. That's how it works. Um, one of the things that I find that um, I like, uh, well, my kids are too young anyway to I'd be into it in any great respect either way. But definitely watching me watching games that I'm into and then particularly the older lad, I can see that he's, it, it doesn't last long now. You get knocked two or three minutes out of him where he's suddenly gone. Jeez, I wonder what this thing is. Um, and I'm sort of, part of me is definitely assuming that the older he gets, the more and more that that, 
sort of, uh, yeah, that he goes for. I don't, and I don't know that, like, I know, Dave, you're away and you're on mute there. I don't know if you're talking to us or giving out to your kids. Um, the, la- the latter. <laughs> uh, you're obviously at a lot of games as well, so, or away for games or whatever. So maybe there's an element of that. I don't know. Yeah, I, there were, there'd be the odd time when I am on TV and I'm told that they, they will see me on the TV and they'll stop for a couple of minutes. But that, yeah. then that's gone. Or if I'm behind the mic and commentating on a game, they might hear my voice as they wander through the room and stop for a minute, but then they move mm. on to whatever it is that's more uh, important to them. I certainly wouldn't be expecting them to sit down and watch a game that I'm not watching with them. I, do, I would not expect that. If you want to start doing shout-outs to your kids in the middle of the... Well, I can send coded messages just to keep them occupied and tell them... Hey. If you write down the four messages that I sent to you during the commentary, oh, that's a good one. there's 10 euro, 10 euro in it. God, I'd play that tape. Let me know what that's on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for that. <laughs> Forget about the kids. <laughs> if you can tell me what the four buzzwords were, there'll be 10 euro in it for you when I get home. Just to make sure they sit down and watch the whole game. That's it. Bully them into it. Yes. No, but look, it's not something that. I'm overly, I'm not worried about it at all. Obviously, you just want them to be happy, but you want them to be active as well. Yeah. And doing is playing a sport that they enjoy. Team sports, preferably because I think there's much more value to be gained from that. Certainly in their, their earlier years, before they move into something like golf or tennis or swimming or athletics, whatever it might be. But uh, I just do think for parents, it's far more difficult. It was When I look back on it, how easy it must have been for my dad, sitting down, watching TV, and I would just sit down and watch it with him. There was never any persuasion required. There was never any cajoling required. I just saw sport on the TV and talked to it immediately. It's far more difficult, I think, for parents today to try and get children interested in this kind of thing. And you're right, Aidan, when you said it's to do with what their school friends are doing as well. You know, if there's a lot of stickers been traded, Panini stickers or whatever it is they do nowadays, well, then there's more chance he's going to pick it up and get involved in it and come home with a wad of stickers like a drug dealer in the schoolyard, which we were all around the time of Italian 90 and Mexico 86. Yeah, that really helped. Like the fact that Ireland were there in uh, Italian 90, I think really helped. A few more of these. Uh, I think if you just play with your kids, they'll naturally grow a love of sport. At the minute, my five-year-old will play football until the cows come home, but will not under any circumstances watch a game. It's boring, Dad, says uh, Trevor Nocton. Uh, it's a fair point. Um, and he, I think he's right. Uh, bring the kids to as many sports as you can. They'll stay where they have fun and friends, says John Foley, which is, I think, again, the whole point. Bring them to matches, play with them outside, encourage them to join groups. If you raise your children to believe the sport is a TV show, then you're a very bad man, says Derek Kennedy. Dave does make his money from uh, sport being a TV show, though, so it is actually a matter of, you know, putting bread on the table. So that's, uh, I think, you know, well, the unusual scenario at, we have here. At some point when, like, you're in an unbelievable position, Dave, because at some point when all this shit housery leaves and we can get back to going to games and all that stuff, like you will be able to bring your kids to an unbelievable view at a game. Like, you know, money can't buy experiences that they'll get as kids. I mean, if that doesn't work out, Dave, I think they're, I think that you can forget about it there. Well, that'll be a good few years away, I would think. Um, in order to do that, you have to be absolutely guaranteed that they won't, 15 minutes into the game, want to leave. Yeah, it's boring. It's boring, Dad. Come on, let's go. I'm lying. Where's Dave going? He had to go home. Daddy, I need to go to the toilet. Yeah, we're live here on 
whatever channel it might be. <laughs> Sorry, so, Laura, you, would, uh, you wouldn't mind bringing, bringing the off <laughs> after the toilet out, would you? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think we're talking teenagers before we're in that territory. Kean uh, O'Connor says, first way up, do you actually want them to like sports? If they do, you never get to watch a match in peace again. You never get to not hear, but what if a thousand times every game, you never get to not have to explain the rules every time? There's definitely a, a betting in period where you're like, and that that was the case uh, when we were watching the um, Katie Taylor Delphine Pursuit fight. There was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of conversations where you're like explaining, no, no, she's the one in the black, and no, and she's the one in the black with the gold gloves, no, with the gold gloves. Yeah, she's the one in the black with the gold gloves. That's the one. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so there was definitely a fair bit. I've had that scene where the younger guy walks in when I'm watching a soccer match and he stands beside the 50-inch TV screen and he just keeps pointing at players. Who's that guy? That's Paul Pogba. Who's that guy? That's the referee. Who's that guy? That's David De Gea. Who's that guy? That's Mane. Who's that guy? That's Henderson. He's just testing you, Dave. That's, that's, like that's a busman's holiday right there. Well, when he points to a player who I don't recognize, I just make my name up, obviously. <laughs> the referee. This, this could go on for five minutes. And when he's asked you who the guy in the black is 50 times, <laughs> that's the referee. We've all, we've all <laughs> dealt with him. And like when I'm roaring at him after five minutes to shut up and sit down, I don't know why he doesn't like sports. And why is he wearing different? Why is he wearing blue? Well, he's the goalkeeper. Why is he wearing black? Because he's the referee. And why is he wearing blue? They're trying after a while, particularly if it's a particularly tense period in a game and you're completely absorbed in it. But I, w I would be happy enough to be in Keane's position there where there is all that questioning. Because you're there with them and you're in front of the TV with them and it's a good experience. Can I make a point about this? And apologies, Jar, if you were coming to it anyway. But the tweet went out a bit earlier and there was one very early and initial response from Kevin Caban which was questioning the idea of having to convince them. What was it, just to get out there and play, something along those lines? Convince, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Just get out and play, face palm. Yeah, so yeah. that well, tweet's out there. That Jared, tweet's out there, Dave. put the word convince into the tweet, which that, I don't that, think was the right word. That tweet's out there, right, for about an hour with not much love, apart from it had one like from professional footballer Tom Kearney, who, if I'm not mistaken, is playing in the richest game in football this evening. All oh, right. Really? He's playing <laughs> for Fulham. Is he still playing for Fulham? Is he Fulham? Uh, so, is, so his Twitter handle says, yeah. Wow. He's played in the richest game of football tonight, Dave, but yeah, he's taken the time out to get involved in your domestic issues. <laughs> well, encourage would probably was probably the right word, and we're definitely encouraging him. So we can't we uh we can't be faulted for that right now. But um in terms of us of me going out to watch them play competitive sport and team sports in the coming years. I hope that does happen, but I, I wouldn't guarantee it right now. Two last ones for you. I don't think it's a case of convincing them, in my opinion, uh, maybe bringing them a good few times to various different sports and seeing what they enjoy the most. But defo, do not let them sit inside playing on a computer or watching the TV 24-7, uh, which I think we could all agree with. And um, you know, you got to try and set some limit on the amount of time and screens. Because they go crazy in front of the screens yeah, and their well, brain. Well, that please. also comes back to and it, a discussion we've had in the past where you wonder at what age are you happy enough for them to be out on the road and out on the street. And I've got to the point where I'm happy enough for the five-year-old to be out on the street, but it can't really happen because 
the three-year-old immediately wants to follow. Um, what can you do there? You can't let one guy out and then shut the door in the face of the second guy. It's just not fair. It's not right. He'll, he feels he's got as much right to be out there as well. And there, are, I have noticed in the last couple of months, little games of street football breaking out outside in, in, in and around the houses, just as it used to do when I was a kid. I thought that was from a bygone area, but I have looked out the window and I've heard some shrieks and shouts in the last few weeks, and I've seen little games, three aside, four aside, breaking right. out on the road outside. And it's brilliant to see. You'd rather it was on the green, but we all played on the road when, when it was wet and it was wintry. So just because that in summer is a big issue. I'd yeah. I would love to encourage the other guy to go out and do that, but he he can't go out. If, if he goes out, I have to follow because the other guy's there. gone as well. He'll get there. And then uh, this one about last week from Eamon McCarthy. Really enjoyed this. I found the discussion around schools very interesting. We have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. I'm a teacher. My wife is a nurse. Neither are jobs we can do easily from home. No clue how to manage when one of the kids gets sick. Before COVID, we would have asked Granny. I'm like, well, that is a tricky, 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 tricky scenario. And I would say there are thousands of people around the country who are in a similar boat with that. Um, there is no real answer to that, is there? Until they get to the point again where Granny's comfortable taking the kids. Um, until they can find childminders or crashes reopening, there is no answer to that, unfortunately. As you say, there are thousands of parents in that situation. In some ways, it's been like the, 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 the sorry, John, in some ways, it's been like the, the, I don't know if it's like, this isn't a blanket. It's not a case that this is the case everywhere, but certainly the, I think the expectations on grandparents uh, have been too much in a lot of cases. And now that people have had to go without, maybe it's a realigning of, um, of all that. And I don't know, maybe we creep back into it again at some point, but I think like bits and pieces, it, it's too, as I said, it's too broad a thing because grandparents are different ages and different capabilities. But um, I don't know. I do think that there can be an overreliance on grandparents. And if it sort of resets the boundaries a little bit, then that's no harm. Well, if it resets the boundaries and there's an alternative in place and the government recognises that they've been leeching off the old people who were supposed to be retired, having, you know, through the sweat of their brow, built a republic in which we live, then I would agree with you. But if there's nothing in place, like, what, what are people going to do? There's, like... I know, but it's look. I, look, it's a fair point, but there is a bit of. I, I mean, I'm, I understand the nuance of it, but I do think there is a bit of an abdication of personal responsibility as well. When you know, like, there will be a lot of cases where grandparents are of an age or capability that they're not able for it, and like you said, there are times where the people in that case, like maybe legitimately, they're teachers and nurses, and they don't have a huge amount of options, and they kind of got to do, got to give it, give them to the grandparents whether they like it or not. Um, like it's the grandparents, maybe we're all in agreement at that point, it's the grandparents that end up carrying the can and they really shouldn't have to. No, who should? I've, well, why well, yours, yours is the government. Well, I'm saying that there should be proper childcare in place. Otherwise, you're forcing people, that, otherwise parents have to pick only one of the parents being able to work. And if only one of the parents can work, they can't mm -hmm. afford their mortgage. So this is a, a very fragile ecosystem where the grandparents are absolutely vital to this mm -hmm. being allowed to happen in the first place. And I actually don't think it's personal responsibility. I think it's up to the states to be able to put programs in place for that to work. But uh, look, um, it's true. But but I mean, at the same time, it does uh, look. It's true, and I said it's extremely nuanced conversation. I mean, I don't know what they do in mature countries that have actually thought about this stuff and put. Um, 
proper structures around it. Um, maybe that's something we need to. Uh, not us, obviously, because we want the shit to be doing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that, the, <laughs> that the government need to do. Yeah, I I would be fairly the, diligent the, about the, the uh, COVID. Ha- the COVID experiment. Some, right? the, let, let's see what other countries are doing. Let them have some have some women and just have some out. women in your government. Like uh, listen to them when it comes to setting up policies, and don't have a bunch of uh, middle-aged, old, grey-haired men making all the decisions about the show. What do we need childcare for? Is cut the budget. Well, because then the whole place is going to grind to a halt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be my. Um, Surely not that controversial take on this. No, you're certainly not saying something that hasn't been said before. And a more influence from the government level in the childcare sector is obviously absolutely vital because what this COVID crisis has shown up is how it was on a knife edge as it was in terms of funding and people working within that industry being able to make an actual living. And now some of them aren't able to reopen. And is it the, as is the case for for what we the crew we were using, they won't be going back full time, and it's going to put a lot more strain on us. We're in a better position than many couples because of the weird hours that I tend to work. But um, I don't know what, for example, a couple in that position do. Like, what yeah. advice can you possibly give them? You hope I, they like have I, understanding employers, but well, it's the government, it's the it's schools, and and then parents are going to become pissed off that you haven't you don't have a teacher or a nurse suddenly. You know, the health system grinds to a halt because it, this is replicated over the course of 5,000 families and 5,000 nurses suddenly can't go to work because there's an outbreak of flu. I just want to tell everybody that we've got um, some brilliant competitions uh, up for grabs over the next while. Check out our social channels at DadCastPod on Twitter. We have um, uh, prizes for Dublin Zoo, Photo Island, Killary Adventure Park and West Coast Aqua Park coming up over the next eight weeks or so. And we'll pick a winner. Um, so just go and make sure you retweet the competition this week. It's all with thanks to Fredo Treasures and their new space series this week. As I said, we've got a 100-year voucher for Dublin Zoo or for grabs for you and the family to enter. Just head over to the DadCast Twitter channel and retweet to enter. It's that simple. And all with thanks to our good friends over in Cadbury and the new Fredo Treasures space series. Uh, so the new Fredo Treasures space series with Cadbury dairy milk buttons and one surprise toy in every chest. This product is treat-wise at only 76 calories. Uh, unless you want the white Fredo Treasures, they've got white dairy milk buttons and one surprise toy in every chest, and that's 77 calories, as we established last week. Which means uh, you can eat three or four of them. Well, that's what I would think. That's certainly what I'm thinking. It's like, I could have 10 of those, and my whole calories <laughs> for the one day wouldn't be... Uh, I'd, be I'd still be treat-wise. <laughs> um, the the childcare situation is going to be very interesting to see exactly what happens, because... Um, you know, a lot of people are only beginning to, to start looking at what's happening in September. This is August now. Uh, September is imminent. It felt like it was very far away when they cancelled the schools. It's like, ah, oh, it's going to be ages before we have to deal with all that stuff. But uh, it's coming fairly soon. And a lot of workplaces are going to start saying, come on back into work. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do? What do you do? I like it's. I don't know, even how much can we tell? Like, there's just so much uncertainty about everything at the minute. Like, still, um, you know, even in relation to the pubs, there was to be some, sorry, I don't know, was there any, I haven't seen the news today, but if there was any, they were talking about the pubs reopening, obviously, and then they're after buying in all this stock, and then they're not supposed to reopen, and the uncertainty and lack of clarity that exists around all that, that's replicated across all of this. Um, I don't know. 
don't think it's a question we're going to find an answer for here. Leave it to the government, Dave, is what you're saying. Well, I don't know who you leave it to, but it's a time bomb. And if you get to the point where women in particular are going to have to choose between giving up their job and staying at home because there is no alternative, well, there's going to be major issues then. And hope like you would hope we don't get to that point, but if we do, maybe something finally will be done about it then. If the industry just needs to be... Um, it needs to be subsidized. See, like yeah, we subsidize I, I farmers think, and we subsidize the banks and we private exactly. some areas. I think even the, bring, uh, we bring some into state ownership. That's what you need to do. Transport has gone that way. Hospitals, you know, it's not beyond the realms of fixing. Well, most countries do do. And even the, the fact that you were like, oh, some women are gonna have to pick this, like that that's because um women have been horribly underpaid in Ireland as a tradition dating back to the yeah. formation of the state and well before that as well. So, uh, look, Dave, you did a great job of setting up this week's podcast with your random question at the end of last week about um, <laughs> getting kids to play sports. So uh, if you could repeat the trick this week. Well, yeah. while, while, while we're giving Dave 30 seconds to have a think about that, we do need to loop back to the, quite, the discussion we're having earlier on about where the local anaesthetic goes in the vasectomy because I've spent the past <laughs> hour obviously not really concentrating on the conversation and I've been off here doing my research. Um, and I have two pieces that I'd like to bring to our audience, uh, both from a very simple Google, um, which was four words, the SNP local anaesthetic. Um, and obviously one of the trusted sources that you go to, one of the first uh, results on Google is Esquire.com, uh, who say that local anaesthetic is applied to numb the pain and your doc does some stuff in your nether region while the two of you make in, in small talk about the weather. So that was the first piece that I came across. And then the other one is just, you know, this like people also ask section that you get on Google where it gives you like, you know, you've asked that question, but here's 10 other questions that might be interesting. Uh, one of which is what kind of uh, uh, anesthesia is used for vasectomy? And this one focuses in on uh, if performed under local anesthesia, pain medicine will be administered directly to your scrotum. Oh, God. Dave, you will be awake for the procedure. I always anticipated That's I would be awake for the procedure, but the words you just uttered, in the sack. they're terrifying me to my very soul. Shot straight to the sack, Dave. That's not your soul, Dave. That's not your soul. <laughs> well, <laughs> while, Adrian was, while Adrian was reading out those earth-shattering uh, questions. The two people in my house have just opened every petty flue in the fridge. <laughs> uh, they've walked past me and I've no idea. And the fridge is still open. I'm just going to mute myself so I can roar at them to close the fridge. <laughs> he should have not muted himself there just for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, give us the good stuff, Dave. Take... Job done. Take yourself off mute so we can hear the shouting. <laughs> it's it's great when you're trapped when you're doing these pre-records for uh, for work and it's like they realize Ooh, he's he's trapped. He no matter what I do right now, he can't actually say anything to me because he's talking to those funny people at the end of the phone. <laughs> I hear I'm mute again, Dave. Yeah, I have to. Every time oh, sorry. For anybody who's watching that will get this, but anybody who's listening, every so often Dave's mic just goes on mute and we see him looking at us and talking. Uh, <laughs> I'm just shouting at them for the fridge door to be closed. I've no idea what has happened to the aforementioned Petty Falloos. I suspect I will go out and find them smeared all over the AstroTurf in about uh, two minutes whenever we finish here. But, yeah, so next week's question is how to avoid 
transferring your own nerves and anxieties to your children? A and brilliant it was, question. It was definitely something that I think I was guilty of on Sunday because the, our, the behavior of our older guy was just a little off on the Sunday. And I think it was because I was making far too big a deal of the cool camp that he was going to the following day, which was yesterday. Um, because I know there was a couple of aspects of it that he isn't generally comfortable with. He doesn't like, didn't necessarily like the hurling in, in previous months and years. And Typical we, dub. Yeah. Um, we said, I said, well, look, we won't go to hurling practice on a Wednesday. You can do GA on a Saturday. Jiggy Kelly football on a Saturday morning. We'll do something else. So we took up tennis instead. But I knew that there was going to be a portion of the school camp that was going to be hurling dominated. And I think I was nervous for him. And over the course of Sunday and maybe Saturday as well, I projected those nerves and anxieties onto him because I think he was nervous where he wouldn't have been only for me. Yeah, and that makes must, sense. There must be a better way for me to handle that situation. But you were, you were also time. probably on some level just trying to get him excited for it. Yeah, there's, that was a portion of it. I was also trying maybe to get him to say what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear him say, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It's grand. Mm. I'll be all right. Don't you worry about me. It's going to be great fun. As if, <laughs> as if that would like make me feel better. When it is, yeah. It's not about me. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know. It was, Common denominator was for the last couple of questions, Dave. <laughs> that was Tony, Tony Soprano-esque there. Uh, this, this thing is definitely, definitely 100% about. Anyway, look, it's a good question and we'll see if we can get any advice from uh, our parents out there. This week's uh, episode of Dadcast is in the book. Again, The Misadventures of Parenting brought to you by Cabri Fredo Treasures. Discover the new Fredo Treasures, the space series with Cabri Dairyman Puttons and one surprise toy in every chest. Stay tuned to our social channels for your chance to win. We'll be back next week. Nathan is on holidays this week, and I think he's on holidays next week as well. There was some talk of um, him dialing in because, you know, he's that kind of, but uh, I think... Um, he says he's in a black yeah. hole of Wexford or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he's somewhere where there's really good Wi-Fi. That I, um, but I think maybe he had something else scheduled. At least I hope we did. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Good luck. Dadcast, misadventures in parenting. Brought to you by Cadbury Fredo Treasures. Discover the new Fredo Treasures Space Series with Cadbury Dairy Milk Buttons, one surprise toy in every chest.